0: Welcome to Ask the GMs Podcast, Episode 5 The Call of Cthulhu. I'm Zach for Ask the GMs Podcast. I've been GMing for years and I want to share topics concerning board games and RPGs with you.
1: We have several guests tonight, including Pat. Hey, everybody. It's Pat. You know me. You love me or you don't. Whatever. <laughs> and also, um, as part of my intro, I'd like to thank Zach for introducing me to Call of Cthulhu uh, onto RC. Uh, I'm Marcy.
2: I'm the second generation DM for a life, uh, although I finally escaped it. Um, introduced to introduce the beforehand. You guys have been the first people I've actually been able to play a proper game with, so it's been a big uh, hoot and holler. I'll pass it to Brian. Hey
3: everybody, uh, I'm Brian, and hopefully everybody can hear me better this week. Um, I'm an aspiring GM with... Uh, Very little experience in general. Um, But I'll pass it to somebody who has a lot more experience in Lindsay.
4: Oh, I don't know about that. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Lindsay. Uh, I've only been playing uh, TTRPGs for a little while, probably about six years or so. And that's mainly D&D. And I also have to thank Zach for introducing me to Call of Cthulhu because it's awesome. So thanks, Zach.
0: Don't forget all the tentacles.
4: That's the best part.
0: Okay. Uh, To discuss Call of Cthulhu, we're going to start with a little bit of history. Call of Cthulhu came out in 1981, so it's a little over 40 years old. So it is one of the oldest RPGs on the market. It's also one of the oldest RPGs operated under the same company. D&D, if you don't know, would changed hands somewhere in the late 90s, early 2000s. Call of Cthulhu has been owned and operated by Chaosium the entire time of its history. It's currently in its seventh edition. Its editions aren't really the same as D&D editions. It was more of like publishing editions. And the important thing about the 7th edition is it was designed in part and focused by the Good Friends of Jackson Elias podcast. So the fans had a major input into 7th edition. Uh, RC, what do you think of Call of Cthulhu's 7th edition so far?
2: Actually, I think it's the edition that I originally got introduced to a couple of years ago. Um, And I've had a great time with it. It's straightforward, it's easy to get into, and it's really quick to teach new people, which has been a huge plus, because I've pretty much walked into it blind.
3: And Brian? Um, Yeah, 7th Edition's the only one I'm aware of that I know. I would agree with RC as far as being simple. Uh, (laughs) As a new player, um, playing mostly uh, Call of Cthulhu or Pulp Cthulhu, um, enjoying it immensely, and then going to d and d was kind of a shock, um because I had no idea what was happening in d and d, whereas much easier to follow along and call of Cthulhu, and I know when I pass stuff and when I don't. and
1: Pat, oh man, let me tell you, seventh edition hands down best edition, only edition I know, but you know, I'm biased. <laughs> um That being said, as far as being in the uh, tabletop community, uh, whenever Zach introduced me to Call of Cthulhu, it was far easier than D and D. And then, you know, prior to that, I've had to show plenty of people how to play D and D, and I'm like, holy shit, this is this is you know where you get your foot in, not any other system um and uh yeah it's near and dear to me later in the episode we'll talk about pulp cthulhu but that's my variation of call cthulhu that is my favorite uh Lindsay?
4: yes i mean seventh edition is the only one i know as well <laughs> um and it's wonderful um like i said i i've played D for several years um just 5e um and uh i felt like it was Easier going into Call of Cthulhu, and at first I felt like perhaps that was just because I had awesome people around me to teach me how to play. Because when I first started playing D and D, it was really my friends and I teaching ourselves how to play. And to sit down with the D and D five e book and to sit down and try to figure it out from scratch by ourselves is a little difficult. It was a little difficult and a little daunting, but. It's actually, I think it was when Brian came in and started playing with us and watching how Brian immediately was able to just pick it up and, and that's just a testament to Brian too as a player, just in general. But it seemed like it was a little less, a little less difficult and in picking it up. Um, I, I as I started creating my first character with Zach and Zach explaining to me how the game worked, it's just, I don't know, the, I don't know how to explain it. The flow is better. It's just, it's easier. It's easier to understand and it sets you up early on for success of, you know, understanding what's going on and how to then also be ready to role play. Like you're not having to you don't feel bogged down with a bunch of other things, really.
3: Yeah. I I, I definitely agree. It's um easier to just role play and follow along with the story and you don't have to really worry or like worry about thinking or doing math really once you're playing. So it, it opens up to being able to roleplay easier and get the character.
0: I've played a lot of different systems, and one of my favorite things about Call of Cthulhu is you can occasionally glance at your sheet, and you just need to glance. Because after that, you're focused on the table, and i.e. you're focused on roleplaying. You're glancing at your sheet just as like a reminder. All of the game is you focus on like what's going on and what your character's doing.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm agree with that. 90% of what goes on during the games is strictly interactions between the other players and between the players and the GM.
0: Okay, moving on to the next topic. One of the major focuses on CNC, COC or Call of Cthulhu is how it's different than D&D. A uh, big focus is the die system. You roll D100 and you're looking to roll under your skills. So you're rolling 100 percentile and you're trying to get under your skill. So if you have a skill of 70, you're looking for 70 and below. It also has a much different tone than D&D. D&D is usually argued to be a power fantasy, where you're trying to get more powerful, accumulate power, get abilities. Call of Cthulhu is definitely you might be losing power, or you're at the whims of dark gods, or things that go bump in the night. Does everyone kind of agree with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like as far as getting new people into it versus you a know, system like D&D, it's easy, I feel like it's easier to wrap your head around a D-100 system, because, I mean, yeah, I guess D&D is a more simplified math than being a D-20, so less smaller numbers, I suppose. But, you know, it's, oh, what is my chances of doing this? Well, if I have a 75% chance of doing this, then I'm probably, for the most part, going to be able to do it. Or if there's a 10% chance, like, oh, well, I'm shooting in the dark here and hoping I land a hit, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, I I feel like the understanding is... Easier, And for the most part, it's this whole, most of your interactions with your character sheet is, you know, this array of skills in front of you. And there's not a lot of, like, flipping through books or trying to understand how certain things happen. It's just pretty straightforward. So maybe that's why it lends itself to its ease of play.
3: Yeah. As far as compared to D&D, where you have a skill of, you know, you're going to attack something because that's what you do in D&D and you roll, and your roll might be lower than what your profici- proficiency is, but you still might do the thing because it has its own like armor or whatever, where Call of Cthulhu is like, I'm going to shoot this thing because I have to, because it's got tentacles and it's coming after me. Um, and for the most part, you're going to do damage to it, regardless of I mean, if you, of course, if you pass your roll and you actually hit it, but it's not like Oh, it might do damage, it might not.
2: And, and This may just be my take on Call of Cthulhu. It, it has a very set theme, theme, and it plays to its theme very well, which is the sense of dread, mortality. And I know in pulp that changes a little bit, but even the, the small amount of pulp that I've played, and some of the stuff that I watched you guys play through with Tomb of the Serpent King, or not Tomb of the Serpent Kings. Uh, I apologize, my phone's breaking up, so I only got caught part of that. Um, it plays to its theme really well and it does what the role-playing system that it's meant to do. And it does it well. Uh, there's not really a focus on combat. What its focus is, is investigation and dread. And it really sticks to that as much as it can. And th- that's where I sit well with it.
4: I agree. Because I agree with the that it's not... This is not based in combat. This is not... Um, it's not that. And I think that's one of the biggest differences uh, that... And especially shows through, you know, the dice rolls and not having to check your sheet every five seconds. And, and I also love with the dice rolls um, how basically, you know, in D&D you're looking for, you know, depending on how you play, whether you're playing like Milestone or if you're doing experience points or whatever, you're trying to get to the next level by doing these things. But with Call of Cthulhu, when you're making skills rolls, you make a roll and you pass it. You're improving later. You're improving that skill later, which I think is really cool. That's something that I love about it. It's not like you're waiting to level up. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It, you you could do improve things you actively use. Not hey, I'm level two now. I know how to pick locks. No, you know how to use, pick locks because
1: you picked locks. Oh, and, and um, another reason why it's so in I, or or I guess easy for newer players to slide into is that it's the setting of it it's you know your characters are humans and they can do humans can do you know you're not getting into oh you know i'm a nine foot tall whatever so i should be able to pick up the truck versus a normal guy so if you know if you're thinking about in your head like can i i feasibly do that or somebody that's stronger than me feasibly do that then yeah so it's easier to get your head wrapped around you know the capabilities of your characters
0: very good. And then another big focus of Call of Cthulhu is, as everyone mentioned, the investigation, but it's also a game focused on handouts. And I can say if someone who played D&D for years, handouts were barely a thing. Like the DM would make it and hand you maybe a sheet every once in a while. But Call of Cthulhu is focused on handouts. Lindsay, the, a memory that will probably stick with me for my entire life is you whipping out your pocket knife to open up that psychiatric file. And we basically read that for most of the session.
4: Yeah, that was awesome. We couldn't get that. I was like, well, here we go. Let's go. And it was, it was such a real moment. It was, it was that you can't, that, I mean, you can't, I mean, it was amazing. And we did read that for about two hours. It felt like two hours, but it was great. It was so cool.
1: Well, it was a lot of um, looking at Dr. Hudson's notes on Roger Carlisle And we knew going into that read that Dr. Hudson was more of a Freudian. So we had a good laugh about all the Freudian, you know, references and him seeing those kind of things and Roger Carlyle's life and thoughts. So, <laughs> it, and the other thing about that is, um, I think for all of us at the table, it really put us more in depth in the story and added, a, I would say, like a gravitas to it or something That's oh, wow, like, this is the mental slip of this guy or oh, here's this angle on these different characters, so whenever we come to a spot where those characters are at, it's like, oh, that's a real Dr. Hudson thing to do, or that's a real I'll Repent You-like move, you know?
4: Yeah, it's all about the immersion.
1: hmm And a um, uh, further thing on handouts, like, one, thank you, Zach, for getting the Mask of Narlatep, you know, whole big deal. And uh, as we're going along through this campaign, we're given newspaper articles and clippings. And yeah, uh, we're specifically supposed to check out like a particular clipping in the article, but they have the whole rest of the newspaper around so you can get a feeling for what's happening in the world during that time period. So it adds more immersion.
0: And on top of that, like another big point is everyone was looking at this boat, this photo of this boat that you guys found. And Dave pointed out, "Oh, it's a junked." And everyone's like, "What's like? It's an Asian boat. That means they're in Singapore, China, Japan." And it was just Dave like looking at the whole like spectrum of that photo instead of
1: just the main boat in the center of it. Yeah. So it really made us investigate a lot. We were like, "Okay, this in China. Okay, what ports are in China?" Oh, it has this name on the side, but we could only get like maybe three quarters of the name. So I had to guess at the last name of the boat with only part of the information. Um, another handout's like we got an actual matchbox from the the Tiger Club. Stum- it there? The stumbling tiger bar, yeah. But just just all the handouts. It was just like I mean, we're reiterating this point. The immersion. and whenever um Zach compared it to what he got with Curse of Strahd or what he got with um rhyme was it rhyme of the ice maiden, yeah, and just how lacking it is and your player likes to look at you know the maps and all the things we played a um an aliens um rpg and we had a whole map of the entire town and could see all the points of interest so we could you know pick and choose where we wanted to go
3: and um i don't remember which one what campaign ian's running right now but you know last week i ended up with uh, as everybody was basically being invited to participate in uh, the campaign, everybody got their own, at least one, you know, handout. I I ended up with like three because I did some investigation. And as part of that, you know, I found something that was crumpled up in a uh, waste, you know, trash can and Ian crumpled it up. So it was, it was, more hands-on as far as oh wow i get to uncrumple this paper to like my character would to you know read you know what's on it and you know that's that information is it seems benign because it was like a receipt for something but at the end of the day i know that's going to become something that i will use later on while we're investigating
2: yeah um and this this is maybe a, a spoke for Ian, because I haven't like the Call of Cthulhu games that we've that I've mostly been through with you, Zach, Have been kind of shorter term, um, and we have gotten stuff before, like as far as handouts go. But um, it's really nice to see thematic handouts depending on where you are or what's going on. Um, The character that I have now is an FBI agent that has connections to Roswell. Um, And the handout that I got was a classified document that gave me um, a sort of spy mission that I'm going to be involved in as this investigation plays out. And what my ultimate goal is, whenever it's time for me to bail, is once I get everything that I've got, I'm out of there. My mission's done.
0: (laughs) Uh, for the next topic, we kind of mentioned it before, but we're going to cover it further. How Call of Cthulhu just does the math up front, and then you never have to do math again. Like any point after character creation, you're choosing to do math. All of it's laid out on your sheet. And the book even provides you like a little math guide if you need to figure out like what half of 50 is and then what, what fifth of 50 is. It's not hard math, but if you're doing it multiple times, it just saves on everything. How do you feel on that path?
1: Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you went to me first. The I mean, we all know you know percentages and the hundreds like we touched on it. and I'm gonna pick on D and D here for a second because you know whatever. <laughs> but say we're looking at our course characteristics in call of Cthulhu. Um, again, a hundred system. So if you have 75 strength, you're pretty strong guy. But there's no conversion, like, okay, and D&D, 20 strength, you're pretty high, but how does that translate to the dice, versus I ask you to roll a strength roll in here, and your 75 strength, you just roll under 75 strength. So there's no conversion, it's just straight dice. You know, you don't have to look for a table like, oh, 20 means plus 5, and 19 means... Plus, uh, plus four and eighteen means plus four, and seventeen means this and that, and it's just there's no conversions. It's just straight up. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah. I was going to say one last thing is you can build a Call Cthulhu character probably in less than fifteen minutes. So it just it happens super quick.
3: Yeah it 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 does happen very quickly, um, and with the the way the the rolls work. You know the they make it pretty easy as far as okay a normal success you know my I have a strength strength of seventy five half of that is be thirty seven and then a fifth of that um I don't know the math but like okay this is a normal success hard success or an extreme success and that adds to the story, like I can pass a, a spot hidden extreme. Well, I'm going to get more information with that than I will with just a regular success.
2: The the gauge of success on in Call of Cthulhu is something that is extremely lacking in D anD D in general. Um, it, unfortunately, Pathfinder falls into that category too. A lot of the, the role playing systems that run on um, a system where it's just pass or fail it's hard to gauge how well somebody's going to do at Something unless on the DM side of things, you want to keep up with how much they actually succeeded at something in order to gain something. Um, I know for a long time as a DM, that was something that i tried to keep up with. Um, but as I've said before, I kind of became the super lazy DM where I was just kind of gave up on it and call of Cthulhu. Things like that actually matter where, say you got an extreme success and maybe the extreme success was the only way in the world that anybody was going to notice this one small detail it it adds a little bit more depth to how the mechanics and actually testing your skills really count Lindsay,
4: yes i think you know it, it definitely it is simpler i think not having to check your modifiers every you know every time you roll um really helps because you look at a sheet and it's you've the math has been done you've already done it once and you just take a look and you roll and you're like did I go under cool awesome you know it's not okay let me check what I you know let me check what I have for let me go ahead and roll and then I have a plus you know five for stealth or whatever you know it's more streamlined so it's a lot it's there's a lot less time spent like you said looking at your sheet to double check on numbers because there's a lot of numbers in that sheet. And I'm sure there are people who are really quick and and know all of their modifiers off the top of their head. And you do eventually, I guess, if you play a character long enough, know them. But and they do increase, and and so it's just a lot easier to just take a look, and that way, the immersion is isn't broken, and you're you're still with everybody at the table. It's a lot less, you know, up and down.
0: It also from the keeper perspective, because I I do play this game as well. Keep it. Uh, it cuts out a lot of information. You just say, hey, everyone, make me X roll. You don't have to know what they have in that skill or not. Everyone else could have 10% and one person could have 50. It doesn't matter. You just say, make the check.
1: Yeah, and the DMs don't have to stare at as many numbers because, you know, on Zach's side of things, he's just looking for a hard pass or a regular pass versus, you know, you're GMing for D&D. And it's like, oh, they need to roll a 16 or better. or They need to roll a little better after modifiers.
0: Okay, we've mentioned it a whole bunch, but let's talk about skills. What are some skills we love in Call of Cthulhu? And who knows the secret skill?
1: Well, we should all know the secret line right out. Should, should we open up with it? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> this, 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 the secret skill is throw.
4: Okay, good, because that's what I was going to say, but I was scared to say yeah. it, in case I was wrong.
1: <laughs> you pass. You passed. Now, that being said, it's throw because... There's often things that need to be thrown that are highly dangerous, like, I don't know, dynamite and grenades, and as we know, explosives are probably one of our biggest problem solvers in um, Call of Duty. Sometimes I call it breaking and entering an arson game, but... (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and as far as the rest of the skill, I'd say there's seldom any time when we look at our sheet and it's like, we're missing one to... Figure out what it is we're doing. The whole array is there. Occasionally, you'll have to be like, "Oh, we need to add this for this particular game." But um yeah, that's. I, uh, I will what, say, what that URC? I love the
2: language skills. It's unfortunate that we haven't got to use them as much as like as many of as many as the characters that I've had recently that have had extra languages. The fact that I haven't got to use them as much is kind of it, it's it's kind of disappointing. But I'm sure it's going to come up here very soon. <laughs> based on the way that Ian's game is going. Um, and we just recently had it come up in Zach's game whenever we uh, we summoned the devil to open a jar of pickles. And thank God I knew Latin.
1: <laughs> yeah, I will say, RC, that the language skills really come down to the setting or game. So maybe it's a, a session zero talk with Zach or somebody like, hey... I, I'm thinking of getting this. Will this ever come up? And, you know, Zach's pretty pretty helpful with yeah. that kind of stuff. Like, No, I wouldn't I, bother.
2: I think the next skill that I would like to have, just just for giggles, is Demolitions, just because I got told about it, but whenever that comes up, it'll come up.
1: Not like, um, for example, our Children of Fear campaign that me and Lindsay were in together, uh, languages came up a lot because we were going all throughout Southeast Asia, and as you know, there's a whole bunch of different languages there. So I was kind of the language guy whenever we were playing that because I knew four different ones.
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You were also trying to teach my character a little bit, which was fun. Of Arabic. Arabic. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) And I didn't speak English either. So that was.
4: (laughs) So it was it was interesting.
3: I think uh, I'll take the low hanging fruit here. I, um, I think the mythos skill is probably my favorite. And I say that. One, because uh, you can't add points to it when you create your character uh, and you really only get points by lowering your maximum sanity so that uh, in general is just fun. Um, but if I had to pick one that wasn't mythos, I I feel like I've used forgery in my last two characters and, um, you know, that, that ad, I enjoy that. Um. And because I have no willpower, uh, I'm going to go with fast talk as my uh, my last one, because liar. that's why you like to lie. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, sure. uh, Maybe I'm yeah, maybe I create characters that are good at that and um, enjoy just getting getting past a social interaction that I wouldn't be able to get through any other way.
1: Now, I will say that um, it's being an investigative, you know, kind of setting. Probably one of your most used skill, and I don't think I've had an investigator not have at least a, a middling capability in it. Spot hidden, listen, um, just, uh, that's your bread and psychology. butter. Uh, psychology, that's another good one because investigative and you're trying to find out whether someone's trying to bullshit you or not. Sometimes, so. yeah.
4: Sometimes library use comes in handy.
1: Just a just a bit.
4: bit. Like <laughs> when you're investigating, library use does come in handy. Now, um, Lindsay,
0: what about the most important? So, uh, skill? You I do say I'm quite a bit though. What about the most important skill? Credit
4: writing. Ah, yes, most important. <laughs> um, I really love. I was going to say fast talk as well, but I just want to expand because, like, something about the skills that I love is how they. Um, is how they break down because you have fast talk but you also have charm and you also have persuade and so it's it's i like how they break down into different like as far as i i once played a character who was once a nurse and she had skill in first aid which is like a quick you know a quick fix in the field but then there's also medicine which is like From what I understand, you are, like, a doctor's level of, like, I could, you know, you know, I could go in and surgically remove a bullet or whatever. Yeah. yeah.
1: Once it stopped the the bleeding, the other ones, like,
4: actually fix you. Yeah. It's, like, field medic and then, like, surgeon. Um, But I just kind of, I love the the differences and how they break down. But I do love fast talk. Because it's just, how well can you off-the-cuff bullshit? Like, that's what it is. Now, it Lindsay,
0: is you left out Intimidate after I hung, almost hung that guy out of a window for you.
4: Oh, yeah. Yep, yep,
1: yep. <laughs> yeah, usually one interpersonal skill, be it Fast Talk, Intimidate, Charm, Persuade. You need one of those to try and get by in the world. And, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen or heard a player, like, pick all four of those. I don't. Maybe that would be interesting. He would definitely be the party face for sure. But and, he'd and be this might just in be something that I've
2: noticed. If you spread your skills too thinly, and I, I'm notoriously bad for doing this with my characters in Call of Cthulhu, um, you will notice that you can't quite cover all the grounds. You you may have to be okay. Are we gonna lie? Then I'm gonna be the party face whenever we lie. Um, are we gonna try our way into a place? that's the guy that we go to whenever we need a charm it it really separates out the roles for the characters a little bit better um it's just something that i really enjoy it's like everybody gets to play at the social gathering
1: and uh it's um since we're on skills right now what did you call Dex and D, zach was it the yeah, Earth the, Earth stat? Stat,
0: the stat everyone must like bow to because it's the most powerful and important
1: yeah call of cthulhu does not have that earth stat there's not one thing that will set you far above you know you can't be the jack of all you you need your party and uh you know if you put 90 in spot hidden for whatever reason you're just going to be garbage in other departments or most other departments
3: i mean unless your credit rating's high enough and your charm's high enough then you can just charm your way into paying somebody to do something
1: yeah, credit rating does have that big swing to it. It wasn't until, um, I think Lindsay started playing her two headed serpent. She um, when credit rating,
0: she had five <laughs> grand a day, she didn't have to account for She could have bought like a six pack of Model T's, not
1: even cared. Yeah, and it was, it oh, yeah, wasn't I'll till just Lindsay, buy it. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, What's your problem? I'll just throw money at it. Like, wow, I was like,
4: that's, I, I that's looked at Pat, and I was like, Here, I was like, Pat, just like. Just, like, just throwing money at him. I was like, yeah, I'll fix it. Don't worry about it. Here, Lindsay,
0: I can't afford cigarettes. I bought you a <laughs> truck of cigarettes.
1: Now, we wouldn't say it's the Urstat credit rating, but it is pretty handy-dandy.
0: Next up, we're going to cover some modifications to how you play. It's going to be bonus dice, penalty dice. Color of Cthulhu allows you to have either double penalty or double bonus. So it really makes passing rolls really effective because it replaces the 10s place. So if you roll a double bonus, you have three tens places and a ones place, so you're likely to pass. There's also pushing rolls. If you fail, you can assuade the DM to be like, I deserve a reroll because I'm attempting this check again, but with this this focus on it. However, if you fail, the ramifications are worse, and there is luck, and I happen to love the luck system in Call of Cthulhu.
2: If you don't mind me jumping in real quick, I, I love the fact that there's two resources in Call of Cthulhu that your character has that are always dwindling and they're they're so necessary to your survival. It, it's not HP. It's how lucky are you feeling today, and how much stress can you take before you just break open like a coconut? Because um, the longer that your character survives, the less luck that they're going to have. Eventually, your luck runs out, and eventually, your mind is going to break open. Um and I haven't had any characters get to the point to where they just <laughs> cease to function, but we've seen it play out at least once. Um, it, it's, it's just a bad such a joy to know that your characters <laughs> dying in, in this game. It, it like even on the player side, you're like, "Well, I'm gonna go crazy. <laughs> I'm at least gonna have fun with it. it." It's
1: it's just a great
2: mechanic that works
1: works really well. Yeah, when when your luck's, you know, you got like 10 luck left or, I don't know, I think I've had three luck at one point in time. At that point, you're just tightrope walking, just like, okay, please don't die, please don't die, anything can kill me. Um, I will say, as far as pushing rolls, I don't see our group doing it too much. I don't know, maybe, I know me personally, it's just the fear of like, if you fail and push it, something even worse is going to happen. And I do find that when I push the situation, I explain in depth, like what what it is or how I'm trying to push it, just so I can curb how Zach makes the bad stuff happen. I don't know, maybe that's just what I do. Um, what, do, you, what, do you, what do you go pushing your luck?
3: I think um, probably the one who would push their luck the most or push the roll the most would be Ian, um, just because he is generally. I don't want to say an agent of chaos, but
4: I was literally it, uh, about to say that. O'Brien.
3: O'Brien.
0: <laughs> but, for example, Hey, I'm going to mouth off to some corrupt cops in their precinct. What happened to Ian? Oh, they took him in the next room. Just having like the crap kicked out of him.
1: Oh yeah. You got, you got told up many a times.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, but that's what happens when you push a roll and it's, It is, that's a fun dynamic as a player where, ooh, do I want to spend 20 luck and drop below 30 where I'm going to die if I get hit? Or do I want to push the roll and, you know, at least if I need to, spend the 30 luck that I have to stay alive?
1: Maybe I'll just start pushing it more and let let Zach have fun abusing me. I don't know. Does that sound good to you, Zach? (laughs)
3: Not Zach, but I will say yes. (laughs) please do (laughs) I honestly think like pushing the you have to be strategic about it are you going to push the 5% roll that you have Eh, probably not Um, but if you push like an 80% roll uh, that's a little bit you know like I I can get by with that
4: (laughs) unless you're me
1: now I will say it's kind of hard to visualize how you're role playing that you're pushing your luck um, trying to think of an easy example. Zach, do you have any easy examples of how you would role play pushing? Yeah, a so road? one of the
0: examples comes from Shadows of Innsmouth. It's when the main character is trying to escape the inn. He's like, "Oh, I got to get out this window." He's like, "It's kind of high." Then he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna take down the curtain rod and use that as my escape." And that would be like the initial fail would be like, "Oh, it looks kind of high." And then the push roll will be like, "No, no, I'm gonna use the curtain rod and I'm gonna pass my roll to kind of use that to get down to the next floor." I got you. I also like luck a whole bunch. In addition to having it just be rolled, when it's a question of what skill is that, just roll luck. What? There's no skill for heading in a taxi at three in the morning. Just roll luck. The other part. The luck. other part of that's like yep. we've all been in that situation. Oh, I needed a seventeen, and I rolled a sixteen. Yep. Or sorry, uh Oh,
1: and there's uh, another thing that we have to uh, talk touch on when we're talking about luck: the group luck roll and your lowest luck person, and how fun that can be. Who's it? It's unlucky, Steve. What's oh, yeah. going on? Well, the party's getting
0: screwed. Why? Because it's, it's the group luck rolls the person yep. with the worst luck. The best way that, well, I
2: can, that I can imagine it is the party is sneaking in through like a museum or something, and he's the guy who kicks over the janitor's broom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a
0: great image. It also like, s- like works out combat. Who's the monster going to attack? Who is the lowest luck?
4: Yep. And so therefore, losing your luck is absolutely anxiety-inducing. It's... <laughs> Yeah, and when you when you get we, blasted, a, yeah, when you get blasted across a room and you spend all of your luck to not die, and then you have no luck afterward, and you're do like, you mean "Well, to
0: not take twenty automatic damage."
4: Yeah, I mean that to not be completely vaporized. With that lovely that one time. eleven yep. HP. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, and then I was like, "Oh cool," I was like, "Everything is fine, everything is fine. I have zero luck. We're gonna make it out just fine." It's August now.
0: Since we focused on luck a whole bunch, we're going to focus on the addition to Call of Cthulhu. Pat's favorite, Pulp Cthulhu. Oh
1: boy. Um. So what I will say. Well, okay. I guess we should start off with what is Pulp Cthulhu or Pulp? Um, It's super. It's super serious. (laughs) Yeah, it's the most um, realistic uh, role playing game you can have. But in actuality, it's kind of spawned, I don't, I don't know, the era, maybe 30s, 50s or something? 30s. 30s. Like, where they started printing like really cheap, I would say like comic strips almost. Uh, if you played Fallout, think of like Silver Shroud or the, any of those unstoppable comics. And what it was was really cheap, fun literature for the masses, you know, for a form of escapism. So everything was way over the top, not your normal, average, everyday thing. And if you think, like, uh, Indiana Jones, that would be, like, a star example of Pulp character. So it's all about being over-the-top, extraordinary, more than, you know, the capabilities of regular humans. And uh, I feel like comics owe a lot to its origins from Pulp. Sorry. No,
0: that's, that's, that's a perfect definition <laughs> um, of pulp itself, but what about pulp Cthulhu?
1: So, pulp Cthulhu is a more action forward, um, called Cthulhu.
0: I'll help you out, Pat. You get twice the HP, you can spend luck on additional items, and you get
2: an archetype such as beefcake, or cold hearted, or two fisted. In, in, in another note counteracting something that I said earlier, that, cult, that pulp Cthulhu cult cthulhu pop cthulhu does really well hey remember how the combat is really dangerous in regular cthulhu now combat's just really goofy i i remember sitting in on you guys playing the serpent campaign and one of you ending up riding around through its by hanging onto its nostril and it was just this giant pit viper thing that you guys were trying to beat the hell out of and it was amazing I love trying to throw in and be like, hey, you guys should throw a grenade in its nose and be like, hey, you should do this other a really crazy thing, because it just fits for the setting of Pulp. It's like, you can't That was, was, was Ian.
1: That was Ian. Ian decided to um, climb up a serpent statue and do an elbow drop onto a 100-foot-long snake head. And, you know, it's Pulp, so sure, let's go with that. It didn't amount to much, because, you know, it's a 100-foot-long snake, and he just kind of booped its snoot. But um, it just painted a a fantastic scene in my head, so I was I was all for it.
4: It's um, a pure entertainment. It's yes, really what it was. Also, Ian
0: like <laughs> held like a stick of dynamite to a like tentacle monster and had it blow up basically in his hand.
3: He did. Yeah, we were not to not to go back to the Gregs, but while uh, while he was being held by the tentacle monster, you know, he's holding the dynamite waiting for Rob to shoot the flame pistol before it exploded um to hit the dynamite so it would explode on the monster and it ended up working um I believe Ian lost two fingers one, at l- at least two one fingers finger. and part of ear um that's right yeah two fingers and part of
1: the body or burnt half of the body
3: yeah um I, I like to think of uh pulp um i know this is kind of like a a reimagination but in cinema uh the grindhouse movies where you know i believe one of the actresses ended up with a machine gun for a leg that's pulp like it's over the top and fantastic
1: and um as far as combat like there's um at least in the modules and whatnot there's goons so things that the party can still attack and thwart and you know be able to succeed at but then you got your other half of the equation, like the Call of Cthulhu, like big bad monsters like a Gug or a hundred foot snake or so on and so forth. That still brings you back into that Call of Cthulhu wheelhouse of where, like, there's still imminent danger. Our, our heroes are still, you know, hanging on by a thread. And there was quite a few moments in Running Pulp where it's like, I don't know if they're going to make it out of this. It it's all in all, it's more action forward, more over the top, more fun, more explosive, more bang, zoom craziness.
4: Yeah. When you you me- only, you only feel a little bit safer, like a teeny, teensy bit safer fighting, yeah. staying and fighting because with, you know, regular Cthulhu, it's mostly, okay, we're running now. We got to go now. We have to get out now <laughs> because you have eight HP and you're about to get pancaked. Like there's no, it's, Light the dynamite, throw it, and get the fuck out. Like that's that's. But in pulp, it's only a little bit less terrifying to stay and fight. But it's but it is a little less terrifying. So a good
0: segue into that well, is monsters. Just talking about the call of Cthulhu monsters: the big ones, the small ones, the things that go creeping in the night. And I'm gonna have to call myself out. An important thing of the call of Cthulhu monsters is reading their entire stat block. Isn't that right, Lindsay?
4: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So,
0: so
3: <laughs> I feel like
0: there is. Uh, there. Lindsay was going to get uh, chased down by a hound of Tyndalos, as one of my friends uh, lovingly calls them. Dorito Dogs. Dorito Dogs. We came yeah. up with plenty of good names. Uh, not So Cool Ranch.
4: Not So Cool Ranch.
0: Not Yo Cheese.
4: Not Yo Cheese. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hot, yeah. Hot spicy, yeah. No I, hate I hated him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And, yep.
4: He was the and worst. an important
0: part of that stat block is the very very bottom line where it says immune to mundane weapons yep so, so unleashing that yep. that on my normal party with no magic weapons or relics or anything which are very rare in call of cthulhu was pretty much a death sentence I was like hey guys i noticed this during play so please just run away
4: yeah it was very well i mean i was getting my ass out i you know anyway but the <laughs> the look you gave me you were like no you you guys got to go now. Like you need to run now. And so it was. It, it yeah. It was a uh, yeah. You did have mercy on us a little bit with that too, because isn't it supposed to be able to find you wherever you are? And, uh, if a
0: person sees one through a gym, looking back in time seven billion years in the past, it can catch up to you in a month.
4: okay, gotcha.
0: So yeah. so they're they're quick. Yeah.
4: Needless to say, we we I grabbed uh, the other the other um PC in this in the scene and we ran as fast as we could out of the telegraph yeah, office telegraph, I think we were yeah. in a telegraph office those
0: poor people waiting for to get their telegraphs that got eaten
4: mmm nommed completely and
0: then after that just running into certain things pat uh a dark young?
4: yeah
1: well uh, me and him had a little hug out and uh he made a great character arc for my <laughs> my character in that campaign but uh He is among one of those many creatures that if you run into him, it'll possibly be like a TPK or anything like that. He, in my, in our instance, um, he just, the presence of him drove my character into a bit of rage and uh, uncontrollable rage. So chance that I could even attack my own party. And uh, luckily I didn't at all. Kind of worked out just right. So, my guy lit a few sticks of dynamite and charged up and jumped on him and gave him a hug. And he started flying up above because there was a, it was, this was in a bazaar and a massive crowd of people around us. And I just flew into the sky, me and this star vampire. And uh, we both exploded all over the crowd. So, uh, it was, it was so good. That's good. good. Now, it that was part, so
4: good. That part's great. So I was referring glorious. to the dark
0: young, the big tree monster that like wrapped you in a tentacle and ran off with you.
3: The uh, one that.
0: The one that Tucker bowed to.
3: Yeah, bowed to and survived. Oh.
1: See, I think of that as like the computer game um, Nerd Monster, because I, I, I'm not familiar. I know it's tentacly and I know what it it's, was it's doing. It's pretty much a giant tree with tentacles. Oh.
3: Isn't it, isn't it impervious to like fire and burning and like acid and... Well, I, bulls, bullets, do, pass, bullets
0: do minimum damage
1: do. with one yeah pat i know it's impervious to my shotgun that i do know
3: oh it did one damage <laughs> it did a damage. drop in the bucket yeah a, yeah a drop in the bucket
0: now pat would you like um, to tell the story of engaging
1: a wizard okay so there it was um we were in playing mass campaign and uh i was playing i think it was my first call in character Terry. um T.T. Terry, the knockoff Indiana Jones, because everybody's got to make that pulp character at some point. That was my iteration. He was terrible terrible um, archaeologist, but I want to think that maybe he got most of his archaeological finds at the end of a gun, but who knows what T.T. Terry. Anyways, we go into the spice house where there is a supposed... Um, uh, shamanus or witch doctors or whatever. Uh, we didn't surprise her. Like I kind of kicked down the door guns blazing and she was ready for us. And, um, I think I get like two or three, or it was like two critical shots and a regular shot and they just pink, pink, pink off of her. And I was, you know, currently the action, you know, brawly fighty guy in the group. And whenever I did, you know, nothing to it i, was, I turned around and i was like guys we gotta go we gotta go now so then it turns into our whole party running down a stairwell while she's doing her uh, voodoo that she do and uh yeah <laughs> it ended up with the whole building exploding at the at the end of that current situation that's why we say throw is so good because explosives do more than bullets typically
0: and Lindsay, of the party, you're actually the one that's encountered the most elder gods. How do you feel about those?
4: You know, I'm not, you know, I don't want to say that I that I hate them. I feel like that's strong. That's strong language. Let's just say I'm not fond. I'm not fond. I'm of not the fond of them. To be completely
0: 96 honest. sanity loss gifted a reroll into a ninety seven sanity loss.
4: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and floating in where this was I? Face. Was I was I an astral oh, plane or face. something? I was just yeah, just floating. Um, you know, I had a I. Yep, yep. I had we were we were exploring this um, incredibly um, unsettling. Was it a an a house or was it an inn or was it? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. And we were debating for about mm, fifteen to twenty minutes about which door are we going to open because we know when we open one of these doors, it's going to be some level of you know screwed up so which one are we going to open and you know how are we going to open it are we just going to brush in or whatever we decided we're just going to slowly just kind of no i i I recall deciding
0: to count down from five
4: that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying and then door kicked open and i was like well okay that's not what i thought was gonna happen it was one two three four five
0: pick but he turned it into one two three four five i'm opening this one
4: One two three four five pick turned into one two three four five kick the fucking door open, and then it flies open and I am sucked into you know space and you and
1: know to you meet your new your new top top guy your new best yeah. buddy
4: my buddy yeah I mean honestly maybe maybe they just want a friend I don't know but honestly
0: and you were yeah. for cook- yeah. you were cooking and- for cocoa pasta at that point
4: oh yeah oh yeah you were like okay let's roll for sanity and I was like okay ninety seven you Lindsay, just roll again just roll again take another roll. okay, fine 99. okay cool, awesome. well, <laughs> check him out guys. Lindsay is now an NPC. bye bye
0: and then the follow-up order got, hey, Lindsay, why don't you just take 20 damage uh, I don't I don't have that much HP let's just take 20. Just, just take 20 well. he, he, he's he's above rolling
3: the the question is Lindsay did those gi- did those dice go into dice jail after that game?
4: No, because it was a stupid bot on, the on online yeah, that, that, <laughs> that, that hated that. my that hated my guts. Oh yeah, it hated made Lindsay roll
0: guts. shit forever. It's like, hey, why don't you roll just like Dicebot, are you able to roll like a number that isn't like, you know, eighty seven?
4: Like, who who fucking hurt you, Dicebot? It was not me. I didn't do it, I promise. We can be buddies. I don't know who hurt you, but let's talk about it. But no. I think we changed bots after that, after that. I feel like we changed dice bots. We did after that. Yep, <laughs> because yeah, it was yeah. Anyway, no. So basically, to wrap up, to sum up, not not fond. I almost got disintegrated. I went a little cuckoo. Anyway, no, no, no. The, la-
0: the last time you got no. to have like an iguana turn into like a King Kong monster and fight another one.
4: No, that was pretty cool. That was.
1: Yeah, that that was, was going to be my honorable mention. Uh, Zach was going to be the gug because we've had two different interactions with that thing that were vastly different. Because you know, in Mask, we nurtured that little baby for days, feeding it and whatnot before we went to that encounter and we had a kaiju fight between big monsters, oh. and then we approached it again in um, two-headed serpent whenever we were in Borneo. And the dreamlands were creeping into the real world, and it was basically like a Jurassic Park T-Rex situation where it was just chasing the party. And I remember, I, I want to say one of the Gregs was like, "Oh, is that something we can fight?" Because you know we're in pulp Cthulhu, so sometimes you think like, "Hey, maybe I can fight that." And I remember the rest of the party is like, "No, we're going to go down this
3: hole." That was <laughs> me. I, I'll 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 claim Greg on that one because I. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I wanted to poke it, um, you know, uh, and that's and that would be because I uh, might have listened ahead on a different podcast um, because I not that I wanted to know what was going on, but I was curious. And you know, when you're captivated and you're, uh, it's it's kind of like binging Netflix. Um, and everyone else was in the hole, and I was in the hole, and I like saw this thing. I was like, oh, they totally like defeated this. Thing so quickly, like we could definitely do that, and everyone's like, "No, we're we're going this way." Okay, I guess I'm coming. That's fine.
1: Yeah, they're bad news. If I
3: remember,
1: if I remember I, everyone was trying to hide, and Zach was just rolling nineties out of nowhere, like trying to scramble in a tree or a bush or something, and it just wasn't happening for him. So he found the hole. And uh, one last honorable mention for um, monsters one we didn't get around to but the dole, essentially um uh the sand if you're familiar <laughs> the old man of the desert uh we we need to stop nerding out about dune here they might find us out. but um in the description of it for first of all whenever somebody loses sanity for it i believe it was a d20 that you roll so that's something just to see this thing and the other part, <laughs> to physically affect it, I think it said um, it needs to be something like the power of a train. Like, literally driving a train into it would just bump it this is a, thing. It,
0: its damage bonus and, is literally described as enough to destroy a battleship. Yeah, like, you, you don't even 86 need 86d6 is the extra damage it does. That's
4: not the hell up. That,
0: that's Dang. the bonus damage, not the initial damage. That's like the that's the icing you on. You bring top. a bunch. <laughs>
1: and some certain people were crawling around in its tunnels, and y'all did have an opportunity to see it, but I think uh, y'all veered off at the last moment.
4: We didn't have enough but, dynamite for that situation.
1: No, there's just not enough dynamite for that situation. <laughs> nope, no. I'd also
0: like to bring up, like in this game. There's no fighting Cthulhu. I can do it. Like No. No, no, no. Don't fight Elder Gods. Don't think you can. They will just destroy you. Cthulhu gets to eat D3 investigators around as like a snack action. And then he does 46 D6 as a bonus to his attack if he's not stomping on you. Snack if you, action. If you happen to kill him, <laughs> he just reforms D10 minutes later. So enjoy, enjoy your cigarette Sweet. break.
3: Dude, that, that, that's the thing. Like, any time... This is this is where it is more realistic than anything else because if I know I met a demigod or you know messenger of a god or a god um I'm not going to be any kind of conflict with that being um I'm going to ask what they want from me and um pretty much comply um but that's me uh you know uh <laughs> And I haven't, well, I guess I did just meet uh, one of the gods in our most recent Tuesday campaign. But I I always think of the 100-foot the serpent in, not Borneo, it's in Two-Headed Serpent. It um, uh,
1: was in um, Bolivia?
3: Bolivia, yeah, it was another bee. Um, and I'm pretty sure, like, we were struggling with the, with the snake, but pretty sure... Um, used like an eye or a, like a jewel that was an eye of a serpent and like started like using that as a weapon and it did a fair amount of damage if i remember correctly
1: yeah it was, it was definitely a dangerous situation i remember um i think zach and Lindsay, did you guys get poisoned when you're taken out of the fight because it was giving you negative negative
4: mm-hmm.
1: and then was that Luke- just
4: zach or was it both of us I that was remember. both
1: of you, I oh, think. yeah
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: not fully remember, and I know um Ian was dangling from its nose after his little elbow drop, um Luke was climbing up its back with his little uh, samurai sword, and Brian was down there with that serpent eye statue, like blasting it with beams of uh, energy,
3: yes, with my possibly dwarven character and by dwarven <laughs> I mean, um. I believe my size was a 35, which is abnormally small.
1: Yeah. I, I pictured you as a dwarf in yeah. my head.
3: Yeah. Um, pretty sure my nickname was Stump because I hid behind stumps.
0: Yeah. But overall, the the thought is like, don't face certain things. You can't. It will destroy you. If you happen to face Haster, he does your dead amount of damage. It, it literally says it. It just says fatal. There's no roll. You die. Yeah.
2: It, it's, as a uh, separate separate game system, but Delta Green uh, you know, pretty much the same system as uh, Call of Cthulhu I, I'm fairly certain Haster just ate someone like,
3: he showed up and they
2: disappeared from
3: existence
4: oh, Yep Yep, that's exactly <laughs> happened what
3: happened yep. Yep. yep, pretty sure I got torn in half and that was uh, that was the end of uh, Arno, I believe his yep. name Nombed Got nommed.
4: Nom nom. Thank
0: you for joining part one of Call of Cthulhu. Please listen to part two, which will follow up shortly.